This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody. This is the Mike Francesa Podcast brought to you by the good folks at Bet Rivers. Remember, for all of your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut at this very, very busy time of year that got a little bit less busy after last night if you're a Ranger fan because the Rangers now off to the golf course and in stunning fashion as the very precocious, if you will, very talented and very, very speedy uh, Devils beat them in seven games and beat them soundly uh, in game seven. Listen, I am not going to attack the hockey teams the way I do other sports because I don't feel I have the level of expertise to do it. But here's what I observed in this series. Um, the Devils down 2 nothing after two games where they were handled very well, made major changes in goal and subtle changes throughout the lineups and subtle changes in the way they played and took advantage of their biggest asset, which was speed and their transition game and a transition game that worked without taking a tremendous amount of chances. They got a lot of opportunities because of their speed, which speed kills in sports in any sport and their speed killed in this series. Um, But I gather the Rangers just aren't the happiest ship. I gathered that after hearing the coach last night. I gathered that after hearing people around the team. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works out with the Rangers. Be paying a close attention to the relationship and the coach-player relationship, the player-coach relationship, and certain guys who are veterans who clearly the coach wasn't happy with, if you get the message. So it's going to be very interesting to watch. It's a very disappointing loss for the Ranger fans, considering what happened in games one and two. It has to be considered a very, very uh, tough loss without any question, especially in a year where there was so much opportunity because of the teams that had already lost in the playoffs, especially the Bruins. Everyone thought the Bruins were unbeatable. They they were gone. They were already wiped out of the way. So with that being the case, it has to be considered a great win for the Devils and a very tough loss for the Rangers. But I'll let other people sort that out who are better at that than I am now. Getting ready for a Knicks game, too, what you want to say here is we all have to just take a step back because this has now become the ankle series. Randall, will he play, and how effectively will he play? Butler, will he play at all? Will he play effectively? Where are we with him for a game, too, that the Heat can treat as a free game after winning game one? And now the word that Brunson's still having trouble with his ankle, which was a problem late in the season, and may have tweaked that again now. 
So we have a lot to deal with there going into game two. And that being the case, clearly, it's a game the Knicks have to win. They have to clean up the things that we talked about after game one. They got beat on the offensive glass where they usually are a big positive. They got beat in the turnover department. They got beat on the foul line. They're most nights going to get beat from three because that's not their strength. If they have a night where they make threes, well, you know what? Things are going to be very good for the Knicks on nights where they make threes. Uh, But they are not a percentage shooting team. They're the worst three-point shooting team in the tournament. Miami's streaky. Knicks are just bad. And then the Butler, who is such a major factor in this series offensively. But you got to deal with Miami's grit, Miami's brilliant coaching, and you have to deal with Miami's experience here. And forget Butler for a second. Lowry and Love are going to be pains in the rear end in this series from a Knicks standpoint. And Lowry and Love were pains in game one. They are going to remain pains. Add Vincent in, and you got a lot of pains to deal with in this series. This is not Cleveland. This is not Cleveland from a coaching standpoint. This is not Cleveland from a mentality standpoint. This team is game. They're not always good, but they are game. And with Butler as a playoff assassin, which is what he is, an absolute assassin. Knicks have to be very careful and be on their game from step one tonight. But again, until we know who checks out in the ankle department, it is very hard to talk too much about game two. It's more step back, observe, and let's see where everybody is health-wise. Does Butler sit? Does Randall come back and play a major amount of minutes? Is Brunson okay? Let's see how this works out this evening. Now to the Yankees. We can also include the Mets who have their own issues. And the Yankees and Mets with the number one and two payrolls by a wide margin. And the Mets by a wide margin. Then the Yankees as a number two payroll team. Between the two of them, they are just a smidge over 500. That courtesy of the Mets, the Yankees now at 500 after last night's brutal loss to the Indians, and it was a brutal loss. Because the Yankees have arms in the bullpen, but they don't have a real closer because Holmes is not consistent now. They don't have a bona fide lockdown guy. They have arms in their bullpen. They have talent in their bullpen. They have depth in their bullpen. What they don't have is they don't have a bona fide Lockdown closer. Because unless Holmes is going to be consistent, they don't have that. And you saw that last night. And what the Yankees also don't have is they have nothing in the way of offense. Right now, the Yankees can use, and Yankee fans can use this as a big excuse. Hey, look at our injury situation. We got 12 guys, including our big guys, on the bench. True. But here is the headline. The Yankees aren't great when they're healthy. When they're healthy, there are still holes in this team. Big holes in this team. So when they're at full strength and everybody is answering the call, they still have issues. And right now, with 12 guys hurt, they have a lot of issues. 
They have no offense. They have no length in their lineup. They started six guys last night who were hitting under 217 and only one guy who was hitting over 260. They have nobody with more than 15 RBIs. They got two guys who have five and six homers. That is Rizzo and Judge. They are way behind in every offensive department. And right now, through the first 30 games of the season, as they get ready to say hello to Tampa Bay for the first time in a couple of days, they are a bad-looking ball club that is 500. And 500 in their division gets your last place. Now, you can in the middle of the season here, yell about they shouldn't have re-signed Cashman, they shouldn't have done that. They did that. That's over with. They already did that. Now it's about getting the team straightened out. Yes, they are not going anywhere if Judge is on the shelf and Stanton is on the shelf because they need Rizzo Judge and Stanton and LeMayu there every day. That's their core because the rest of their players aren't any good. Volpe's still learning how to play. You knew there was going to be a, a trial and error period there, and he hasn't been any good. He's been, you know what? He's been a rookie. But some of the other guys have been dreadful. And they got a lot of guys hitting under 200. And they don't have a lot of pop. And they got guys on this team who shouldn't have been on this team this year. Namely, Hicks and Donaldson. Because they need to change who they are. More so than they have. And they need to get rid of some of the older clutter for that to happen. But you know what? Their younger players aren't that good. There's nobody there who's like, and I'm not talking about Volpe long-term. I'm talking, let him play. Leave him alone. Let him play. He's not the issue here. I'm not making him the issue. He's not the issue. But the other players around them have done nothing. Look at the batting averages. Look at the performances so far. And you get into the Yankee lineup now without having to hit to get there. And that is something that has never ever been the case to break into the Yankee lineup with any regularity. You had a stick. Now you just have to be, you got to have a pulse. And if Cortez goes in a tank, you're left with Cole, a couple of promising arms that you hope are healthy. A couple of guys you're waiting for who haven't shown up yet this year. But you're also going to you know, talk about, well, the Yanks have all these arms in the bullpen. That's great. They don't have a closer if Holmes is not the guy. And if his fastball's not sinking, he's not getting the job done. Case closed. I don't care how many different swerves he invents. If his ball isn't sinking off his fastball, he is not going to be Holmes as we know him. And that is not the case 
last night, and that is not the case right now. Yankees have no margin error because they have no offense right now. And you know what? It's early. It's 30 games in. And there are a lot of slots to get into the postseason. But you still don't want to fall, you know, 12 or 13 games behind the division leader. That's not what you're looking for, even though it is May 2nd. You don't want to do that at any time of the year. And right now, the Yankees are eight and a half games to the south of things. Eight and a half games out of the division. That's not a couple. That is a good month and a half's work minimum. That's with a winning streak somewhere in there. That's a good month and a half work. And if they right now continue this lousy play for another two weeks, they are going to be double digits behind. Because they got to see Tampa now. And Tampa is going to like to just stick it to them as much as they possibly can. And kick them when they were down and leave them bloodied if they can. They will have no mercy. Zero. Nor should they. So is it a time to be concerned if you're a Yankee fan? Yes, it is. And you want to make an excuse that, hey, we have the dirty dozen all banged up right now? Fine, go ahead. But you know what? If you're being honest, they didn't look great when they're healthy. They got a lot of issues to answer. They got a lot of unsettled things. Would it look a lot better when Judge is there and Bader's there and Stanton's there and they settle things down? Yes. And they finally get rid of Hicks, which they will, and get rid of Donaldson, which they will, because now they can't fool around anymore with these guys. They now have to put players in the lineup every day that can play. And they have to get rid of the guys, as they already started to do. See, when the Yankees start relying on guys who have been booming bus players like Cordero, I mean, you're dreaming. The Yankees aren't relying on guys like that. I mean, let's be realistic. You want to get a good 10 days out of the guy, fine. But you know what? You're not relying on a guy like that. Not if you're the Yankees. It's not the way it works. But right now for the Yankees, nothing works. The only thing you can say that's positive is it's May 2nd. Emails when we come back. You're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right. You send your emails to Mike Francis Podcast at gmail.com. All right. We start with Justin. Do you believe that Thibodeau deserves, uh, Thibodeau deserves some blame for the game one loss? Nick settled for way too many three point field goals uh, and taking the ball in the paint as they did in the first half? No, listen. He was without Randall, and let's be honest, the Knicks are not built yet where they can play completely without Randall. They're not built that way. I am not a Randall guy, but you can't dismiss what he can bring to the team, okay? Despite some of his weaknesses, he still can bring, you know, 30 points and 10 rebounds any night to the team. So don't dismiss him. 
and he wasn't there. The Knicks are going to take threes, and they are a volume three team. But what happened in this game was Miami made adjustments after the Knicks killed them in the paint. What they did was they built a wall defensively that kept Brunson from coming into the lane and taking his floaters. And that didn't happen for a long time. And then Barrett and Brunson had a stretch. When they were down three, everything went wrong. When Brunson scored to make it 97-94, they were still, despite everything that had happened in the third quarter, they were still in the game. And they had a chance to steal the game. But what happened then was you had the big possession where Lowry knocked the ball out of Robinson's hands off the miss. The ball went to Vincent. He made a really off-balance three, and now they're up six. Then came the barrage of five straight empty trips. Brunson got caught in a uh, jump ball situation because he got pinned, and they lost the jump ball. Then Barrett decided that he was Oscar Robinson for the next four possessions and put on a ugly display where he took a bad shot, threw the ball in the stands, then set a screen that was ridiculous and got called for a foul, and then, and then turned the ball over again off a bad shot. So he decided he was going to take everything to his hands, four straight trips, and turn the ball over four straight times. So in essence, they turned the ball over five straight trips, and the game was over. If they had been efficient anyway on those trips, they could have won the game. Now, the Knicks are not most nights going to beat you from three. And the Heat are not going to let Brunson just continually float into the lane and flip that ball into the basket. They are too smart for that. They are too well coached for that. Their coach is, I would say, the best coach in the NBA. He is a brilliant coach brilliant coach. He is not going to let that happen. And then the Knicks did a terrible job because they started attacking the rim, trying to get to their patented offensive rebounds. And what they did was they didn't balance the floor at all. And love took the ball and threw it down the field, down the court time and again for easy baskets. You can't have that kind of poor floor balance. You got to balance the floor better than that. It can't be done that way. It, it's impossible. You, you can't send everybody to the glass, everybody to the rim, and have no floor balance. You cannot give them, you know, can't, Jimmy Butler can't be catching the ball, you know, 60 feet, 60, 70 feet down the court, and then turning, spinning, and putting the ball in the basket. That can't happen. So they were shorthanded. They were very cold from three, but they didn't win the categories they have to win in lieu of them not winning most nights the three-point shooting. They're not going to win that most nights. So they have to win on the offensive glass. They didn't. They have to win on the foul line. They didn't. They have to win in the turnover department. They were awful. Add those up, you lose. Nick, although it's been apparent for years, it has now become crystal clear the Yankees, uh, top-heavy Yankees no longer have upper management uh, desire to uh, win and to put a balanced elite team on the field. It's becoming embarrassing. Listen, I have been screaming about this team for years. I have told you I have hated this team for years. I continue to hate it. I, can hit, I hated it on opening day. I didn't feel it was any better than it was last year. It was top-heavy. It's still top-heavy. It's top-heavy at the top of the rotation. 
Cole is having a great year, and they're 15 and 15. If Cole wasn't having a great year, they'd be five, six games under 500 minimum. He's undefeated, and they're 15 and 15. You don't have a bona fide closer right now, though you do have good arms in the bullpen. You don't have a balanced lineup with any length. You have you have to get it from Judge and Stanton and Rizzo and LeMayu and Torres. That's all you have. Anthony. Uh, he was the best tight end in the draft. Why didn't they trade back and get Rodgers a weapon? He went to the Raiders, which will be a disaster. Listen, I talked up Mike Mayer from Notre Dame a lot. There were some good tight ends. Some people like Kincaid, who went before Mayer. Okay, the Iowa quarterback tight end in Iowa always produces tight ends, went before Mayer. Mayer is not a blazer but he is a prototype old-fashioned tight end in that he is a great blocker and he is a dominant player in the box of 25 to 30 yards that the tight end lives in. He will be great in the red zone and he will be a star, a star. Uh, I would have loved to see the Jets in the second round trade up and get him. They didn't do that. Okay, case closed. They didn't do it. I think he is a guy that anybody who drafted after 20 is going to look back and say, all right, we missed on him. Some people have compared him to Witten. Witten was an all-time great tight end, but he's not exactly Witten. Some people have compared him to Andrews. Again, another superb tight end. He's not exactly Andrews. What he is is Bavaro. He is Bavaro. And that is, from my standpoint, as good as it gets. I think he's going to have a sensational career. And he already talked about paying back the teams that didn't take him in the first round. Hey, it wasn't like he got drafted in the fifth round. A couple of years ago, I wanted everyone to draft Cook. He went 40th, and he came out and dominated in the league. Hey, they get to pay guys back. I thought he would have been a great fit for Rodgers. He would have been a perfect guy to set up. They didn't choose to go that way. Um, Patrick, I think uh, Joe Burrow has changed the entire Bengals culture. In your time around the NFL, is there one player who really stands out above the others of taking a team from top of the league, from the bottom of the league to the top? You know, I'm sure there's a couple that I can think of. Uh, I agree with you about Burrow. Burrow's really good. And I think you got to give the coach a lot of credit and give Burrow credit. Also give their offensive talent credit. They have great wide receivers, um, but they have changed their culture. They are a winning team, and Burrow is a tremendous, tremendous talent. Burrow is right with Mahomes and Josh Allen. He's that good. He is that good, and he also has a brashness and a confidence that you don't see very often. He is a very, very talented player. And I think he will win for a long time. This is Jack. No question Douglas has made the roster better, but at some point his philosophy of building the offensive line and building through the draft needs to translate into wins. Hey, 
The Jets had a great defense last year. They improved their talent level by miles and miles and miles. They did not have a quarterback. They did not have superior coaching. They now have the quarterback. They need to have better coaching and a solid offensive line. If they have done that, if they can get Hall healthy with Wilson, with the offensive line capable of protecting what is a great quarterback, with their defense, they have a chance to be a Super Bowl, not a playoff, a Super Bowl contender this year. Rick Forte drew uh, the fifth post in the Derby, which I think is perfect for him. Um, do you like his chances? I will do the, I will do the Derby. Uh, probably Thursday. I'll have Brad on. We might have a couple of the trainers on. Um, I like Forte. I've liked Forte a lot. I've been very fortunate with Forte uh, through, uh, through not so much with his two races this year, but all his other races, I had won money on him every single race. And a couple of times at very generous odds, including seven to one in a hopeful, which was an all-time steal. Um, uh, he is a legitimately solid horse. I don't think he is a great horse. I think he's a very solid horse. Uh, he could easily win the Derby. I don't think he has to win the Derby. Um, there's some interesting horses in the Derby. There's some puzzling horses in the Derby, but that's the case every year. So we will go through it, and we will have our thoughts on that with Brad and maybe with a couple of the uh, trainers coming up. Uh, probably will be up sometime Late Thursday, probably by Thursday night it will be up, I would think, most likely. We will have our Derby preview up by then. We will do a Nick post game two tonight because it's very, very important, this game. The only thing I went light on the game this morning because of the fact that, you know what, uh, I just don't know with these ankles who's, who's where until we get and watch this tonight. There's a lot of question marks this evening. Enjoy your day. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.